Thanks for checking out the Renew Life Church podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that today's message encourages you. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Good, good, good. Can we give our worship team a hand? Didn't they do a great job? Man. Love our worship team. Love them. Uh, all right, we're going to jump right into it. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 2. We're going to get there eventually, but before we do, uh, I just wanted to give, I told everybody last week I was going to give some updates uh, about our building project. So many of you wanted to know, uh, and I'm going to do the best I can to give you the, the five to ten minute version of this, because so much has happened since last April 4th. April 4th, we did a groundbreaking ceremony uh, out on our property on uh, North 349. Uh, we, we, we own 21 acres out there. And so uh, everything was going good. April 4th, we did a groundbreaking. We were scheduled to meet with the city the week after that uh, to what we thought was just to clean up a few small little details and then get the ball rolling. And a few, a few small little details turned into one problem right after the other, just to be honest with you. And before we knew it, uh, there were several things that happened that we uh, could not have seen, things that happened even that the city did not know about. Uh, they were unaware at the time that they were fixing to have a major water issue on the northeast side of town. And so uh, that very next meeting is when we started kind of seeing that they were not just being so agreeable with all of our stuff. And uh, all of a sudden, there was about a million dollars. We were approaching a million dollars worth of stuff they were asking us to do that had nothing to do with our building. Uh, in the meantime, uh, different things happened economically, tariffs to tariffs on products. Uh, I'll leave that right there. Um, but uh, we had contractors who had sent in their bids that basically retracted their bids, resubmitted them, and they were over double what their original bids were. And so what, uh, over the course of three months, what was supposed to be a, hey, we're, we're, we're 30 days from, from seeing some things happen, came into, y'all have got major problems. Oh, and $8.5 million turned into $14.6 million. And I'm like, how does that happen? And so uh, I'm just very thankful that the Lord, when he needs to shut a door, he shuts it good, like $14.6 million good. And uh, so I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm listening. And it it worked out really to our advantage. We had a a certain city official that kind of, we were at one meeting and I couldn't understand why we were not jiving on a couple of things. And so I scheduled a personal meeting, me and I actually took Tris Tipton, who's, I'll I'll, I'll tell you about him here in a little bit. Uh, He's a civil engineer, a friend of mine. And we went to the city just to meet with me and him and, and the engineer there. And we, we were trying to hash out this, this issue. And, and finally, and I won't, in case they weren't supposed to tell me this, they said, look, I don't know any other way to say this, but what you think are your issues are not your issues. There are way bigger issues that I can't tell you about. And so I was like, okay, well, we'll go another direction. And they said, I think that's a really good idea. And I'm really thankful for that advice because, like I said, I met with the city manager last, last week and uh, the, the project out there, they are still over two years out from fixing the, the water issue on the northeast side of town. So let's just say we had $14.6 million, we were ready to write a check and all that. They couldn't even give us permits for at least another two years. And so the good news is it didn't take us up till now to figure that out, that that was going to be a problem. It was about a three-month span of time. Uh, three months into this, I, I called a meeting with some of our, our uh, church leaders, key church leaders, some businessmen and women that have been with us a long time that I really trust their advice. There's about 30 or 40 of them, I think. 
And we had a meeting, and I shared all this information with them, and I said, hey, what, what do you think we ought to do? And some incredible wisdom came out of that meeting, and, and I think the biggest thing that came out of that meeting is I realized that to fix this problem, I needed some help. And uh, so after the meeting, I asked Walter Pate, some of you guys know who Walter and Marie are, they are the incredible greeters that are here almost every single Sunday at one set of our doors. Yeah, give Walter and Marie a hand. Are they here? I didn't see them here. Are they? I haven't seen them. They're not here, right? Uh, I asked Walter, I said, Walter, I need your help. And, uh, and, and, and so I asked Walter to help me. He agreed. Uh, got some advice from Gateway Church in South Lake. They said, look, you need to have a committee and you don't need to be the president. And so Walter agreed to come on and help. Uh, and I asked five other people, actually, five total people to join me as, on a committee. And I just gathered some of what I think are some of the brightest minds in this, uh, in this area. Walter Pate, obviously a, an architect in this area, has been for many, many years, very well respected. Tris Tipton, I mentioned his name earlier. He's downstairs. I saw him serving in one of our kids' classrooms this morning. Civil engineer, investor in the oil and gas industry. Uh, uh, Kristen Beggs, Kristen's actually in here somewhere, wave Kristen, she's hiding over there, Uh, Kristen Beggs, she's the VP of commercial lending for West Texas National Bank, Henry Greer, he's also, wave your hand Henry, Henry Greer, he's our tech director, but he's also an electrician, uh, owns his own company now, and does some incredible things for us at the church as a tech director, and then Janice Gann, she's over here, everybody knows Jan, everybody knows Janice, and uh, Janice obviously is our hospitality pastor, but she's also uh, the owner of uh, Janice Gann Interiors, their own interior design company. She's the one that did all the interiors. She's going to be doing all the interiors for our new church building. So we just gathered as many bright minds as we could together uh, and to try to solve this problem. And what's happened over the last three months is actually pretty, quite incredible. In the last three months, we have found another piece of property that just so happens to be an entire city block right across the street from our current office complex. Negotiated, made an offer. Offer was accepted. Uh, we... We close on that property. How many of you guys know it's a good thing when you have enough cash that you can just pay cash for another, bill, another piece of land and don't have to sell the other? That's a good problem to have. And uh, so we, we've, we're fixing a close on that property in the next couple of weeks. Already went with the city. When I say the Lord closed one door and opened another, uh, had our planning meeting with the city last week, and I mean just flew right through. We, they gave us things we didn't even ask for. Uh, rezoned the whole city block for us to make sure it was done, did some things to make sure it was going to be easier for us to get this building built really quick. We've redone the floor plans, or we've adjusted it to fit the new piece of property. Uh, All kinds of things have been happening, and we are actually set to start actually building on that piece of property now come the first part of February. So we're actually going to see some things happen. And I just want to tell everybody who's been giving towards this, I know this has been a journey. I have not, it's not gone the way that I wanted, but I would rather it go the way he wanted than the way that I wanted. And he has helped us solve so many problems. Uh, the good news is we've even got some prophetic dreams about that property on the north. We're, we're not getting rid of it right now because we feel like there's still something to that property that maybe we just don't see yet. So we're holding on to that piece of property right now. Uh, until we, until the Lord opens the door or tells us what to do exactly with it. Uh, it wouldn't hurt my feelings if we had two or three churches in this city. I'll just go ahead and say that. I, we don't have to have one big one. We have a bunch of little ones if we need to. So, uh, But anyway, it's, it's incredible. We've got the floor plans uh, about 90% done. We're going to start seeing some exterior elevation design come up in the next couple of months. And so as soon as those designs come out, the redesign, I'll show you guys some images and some pictures of what that's going to look like. Uh, but I'm just actually ready to start seeing some building happening. Anybody else ready to see some building happening? Uh, and I'll just say this. Can I just, if you know anybody, any of the leadership, uh, 
connected to Midland Community Theater. They have been incredible in working with us as some plans and things have changed. They've, we have been in this building since day one of this church. And that's a long time for someone to let somebody else live in their house. Does anybody else know what I'm talking about? Even if it's your own kid. I mean, it's like, you got to get a job, you know. Anyway, so there, there's the update. Like I said, as some drawings and some things come forth uh, over the next couple of weeks, we've got some, but I, I wanted to wait, make sure we had a few more little arranged, uh, adjustments to the, the, the ministry or to the children's area that we were making, and, uh, and as soon as we get those done, we'll get those to you. Everybody good? Awesome. All right, Luke chapter 2. Let's talk about Jesus. Um, Luke chapter 2. I'm a, it's funny. I'm, I, have, I have rarely, if ever... There's, uh, the only message I actually repeat on a regular basis is one, our family tune-up series. We talk about marriage, parenting, and finances in our family tune-up series every single year, something we feel like the Lord's told us to do, but not often, uh, if ever, have I ever repeated a message. And as I was getting ready for this weekend, the Lord reminded me of a message that I preached eight years ago. It was actually the first Christmas message I ever preached as a big kid pastor, if you know what I'm talking about. And uh, I was the campus pastor of another church, and what, what was... What I was expecting was, I've gone back and looked at some of my old notes and some of my old messages that I preached from way back in the day, and I thought to myself, how did anybody choose to serve Jesus after that message? Like, I, that was the worst message ever. And uh, I, I went back and was reading my notes for this message, and I, if I do say so myself, I was pretty impressed. I was like, that's a pretty good message. And I told Leanne, I was like, that is how you know I did not write that, because it was so good, I was getting ministered to it. I was like, I've never heard this before in my life, but... I'm the one that wrote it. I don't know how that just happened. So I think there's some things in this that the Lord's shown me that I think will help us, uh, in, especially even in this season. So Luke chapter 2, this is kind of the Christmas story. It says, starting in verse 1, it says, At that time the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken since Quirinius was governor of Syria. I've said it before and I'm saying it again. I'm on a mission to bring the name Quirinius back. And if I can convince Leanne to have one more child, if it's a boy, we're going to call him Quirinius. Just need to bring it back. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth and laying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. Now pay close attention to verse 18 here. 
It says, all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, and into verse 19, but Mary kept these things, kept all these things, mind you, in her heart and thought about them often. She kept all those things in her heart and she thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, and it was just as the angel had told them. Now, if you're following along, if you skip down to verse 50, this, this, the, the story there in Luke 2, it's fast forward to the time when Jesus is 12. Uh, they go into Jerusalem uh, <clears throat> for a feast, as, and, and Jesus is 12 at the time. They go to leave, and somehow uh, Mary and Joseph leave Jesus and don't even realize he's not with them. And the Bible says that he, they traveled a whole day's journey before they realized that they were missing Jesus. How would you like to ha- have that moment? You didn't just lose your baby, you lost God's baby. <laughs> I remember when we, uh, several years ago, we lost Riley and Six Flags for like a, a, literally a couple minutes, but it was, it, was, it was terrible. Just imagine the feeling when you say, you got Jesus? I got Jesus. He, he put him in your belly. You're the one supposed to have Jesus. <laughs> they lost Jesus. So they go back. So they're a day away. So that's another day travel. Now we're two days in. And then the Bible says they looked for a whole nother day and couldn't find him. So we're, we're talking about we lost Jesus for three days. But then notice what happens. They, they find him. And here's what Jesus' response is. Luke 2, verse 49. says, but why did you need to search? Well, because you were missing. He asked, didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. Now notice this phrase again. And his mother, Mary, this translation says stored all these things in her heart, but it's actually the exact same word as kept. Now the, the, the King James Version actually uses that exact same phrase. It said his mother kept all these things in her heart. When the angel spoke, she kept those words in her heart. When Jesus spoke, she kept those words in her heart. I've often wondered, like, what was the criteria for, for, for being the one chosen to carry Jesus? What was the criteria? What was God looking for? What kind of person was God looking for? In other words, what kind of things did you have to have to have such an honor? Can we just agree it would have been an honor? What, uh, if there ever was an honor, what honor was bestowed upon Mary to say, you're the one I'm choosing to carry the Messiah and the mother and to take care of of, of the Messiah. I, I, I know a little bit about what it feels like when you're assessing who it is that can take care of your baby. Uh, you know, we just had another, uh, our third child, Evan. Uh, she was born a little over four months ago, and when she was born, things didn't just go like they were supposed to go that, the day of the birth, and so we had gone in to get a checkup, and they said, you got to go to the hospital right now, so we go. We were there around lunch, and uh, after it was all, we were all checked in and everything, the doctor's like, oh yeah, you're going to have this baby by, I think, seven or eight o'clock in the evening. Well, seven or eight came, and then nine, then 10, then 11, then 12, and no one was really telling us anything. And my, my, my church hat came off just a little bit, and just a little bit. And I was a little frustrated because apparently, I, I forget one of the dumb shows someone told me, but one of the dumb shows on TV, it's about a teaching hospital. Which, what, what are we talking about here? What show is it? Grey's Anatomy. Jesus, help all these Christians that know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> 
So apparently Midland Memorial is also a teaching hospital, and it was like learning time for all, some people to learn about how to give birth to a baby and how to deliver a baby, not just send the A-team in. And so I was a little frustrated <laughs> at one point when they, the shift change happened about one or two in the morning. I, I just had a small conversation with one of the nurses, and I said, if you don't mind, don't send the JV team back in. I didn't see anything wrong with that. Leanne said, you need to go home and take a breather and come back when you're ready to get serious about this. So I, I did not want the JV team. Come on, dads. You don't want the JV team delivering your baby. So maybe I shouldn't have called them the JV team <laughs> to their faces. New covenant, Jesus is alive. Anyway, um, but you know, you want the best when it comes to someone taking care of you. You want the best. And it's like, what was it about Mary that made her the one? And there's not a lot said about Mary before Jesus was born. There's not a lot said about Mary after Jesus was born, except there's this phrase that just came, seems to stick out uh, multiple times. And it's, it, it, it refers to how Mary handled spiritual things or how Mary handled the word of God. When the angel came and delivered the word of God, what did it say? It says she, she kept those words in her heart and she thought about them often. When Jesus, when Jesus spoke, even at 12 years old, he spoke some things to her. And what did she do? Same exact thing. It says she kept those words in her heart and thought about them often. That word kept, the Greek, the Greek word for kept or keep is suntereo, which means to preserve, to keep safe, to keep close, to watch over and to steward. This was, the, this was the way that Mary approached the word of God. This is the way that Mary handled the things of God. And it begs the question, how do you keep the things of God? How do you handle the word of God? Do you preserve it? Do you keep it safe? Do you keep it close to you? Do you watch over it? And do you steward well the word of God. You know, I love technology, but one of the things that I think technology has inadvertently done is it's made it really, really easy for us to get something really, really valuable. It's made it too easy for us to access the word of God so that it's just at times, and I'm not against having your, your, your Bible be an app, but at times it's easy for that just to become another app that you open throughout the day. See, the word of God wasn't just another app for Mary. It wasn't just another thing for Mary. It was something that she valued very much. It was something that she guarded very much. She watched over. She kept close. She thought about it. She thought about it often. Several years ago, uh, someone showed me a video, and I, this video moves me every single time I look watch it. You may have seen this video before, but it, and I want to show it to you today. It's a and the quality is pretty poor. You couldn't really, I couldn't really find a good rendition of it, but I think you'll get the point. This video is of some, uh, some Chinese Christians in an underground church getting their first Bibles. Getting their first Bibles. I want to show you this video for just a second. Thank you. 
I just wonder if that's how we still feel about the word. I just wonder if that's still how we feel about the luxuries we have of living in a country where you didn't have to worry about what was going to happen to you driving to church. It was easy. No fear. No condemnation. No military keeping you out. This is not some underground Bible study. We, we got a website. We're on the internet. We're on Facebook. We're, most of you in here have an app where we're just one click of the button and you're on. I just wonder if sometimes when things get really easy, if we don't lose perspective of what this book means. I don't ever want us to lose perspective of what this is. This is not just a book. It's not just a book. It's the Word of God. This, there's so much about this book. There's so much about this, this Bible. I'll, I'll take it a step further. There's so much about the Word of God in any shape that it shows up. You know, oftentimes we talk about the Word and most if not all Christian cultures, they, they, they hold a high place of value for this Bible. But oftentimes because of variances in theology and things like that, the Bible gets a lot of credit. The spoken word gets marginalized to the point where some people don't even believe that there are modern day prophets, that there are not people that are talking to God and God talks to everyone. There's no such thing as prophecy. God said everything that he, that he wanted to say in this book. And I, pro I propose to you that just as valuable as this word is, this written word of God, so is the spoken word. I, I'll even go so far as to propose to you, go look at the great, the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love the neighbor as yourself. Notice what it says. It says, all the law and the prophets hang on this. Isn't that interesting that God gave equal value to the written word and the spoken word? Look at the Mount of Transfiguration. Notice there were three people on the Mount of Transfiguration. There was Jesus, represented of the new covenant. There was Moses, represented of the law. And there was Elijah, who represented the prophets. Is it possible that that moment was God saying to all of us, I'm bringing everything that the law and the prophets meant and I'm putting both of those in the new covenant. This covenant is the fulfillment and the extension of the written word and the spoken word. Do you value the word in whatever form it shows up? I've said it before, I'll say it again. You have no idea how much success uh, or how much success this organization has have, but had because of prophetic words because of people daring to get it wrong 
and, and, and maybe miss it. Can I just say, not every prophecy is right. Not every word of knowledge is right. Not everything we get up here and say, when we say, hey, we feel like the Lord's saying this. Someone's got this symptom or, or the Lord's saying this to this person. Can I just be honest? We're not going to get it right every time. And if you're coming to this church because we get it right every time, I hate to disappoint you, but this ain't it. But it's a church that's saying, you know what? We believe God's still speaking. And because we so believe that, we want to hear. And if it is his words, it will bring life to those that hear it. I just, real quick thing, I I just, I, I want us to be known as keepers of the word. Just like Mary kept those things in her heart. She kept the word. She preserved the word. She watched over it to keep it safe. She thought about it often. I want to be a church full of keepers of the word. Not just Christians. Not just those that believe in Jesus and we we check the box. No, we keep the word. And I want to give you real quick three things that I think will help us be keepers of the word. One is just remembering that this word is God. This is God. it, It actually is God. It's not just... A, some of his words, it is him in scripture. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was what? The word, the word was with God and what? The word was God. You cannot separate the word from God. God is the word, the word is God, which means every single thing in this book is, the, is, is and can be the final authority for your life. It needs to be the final authority in your life. It Allow this word to be God in your life. Number two, understand that this word, it is the source of life. More money is not the source of happiness and a, and a good life. More, more, more happiness uh, or a better relationship, a marriage, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a bigger house, a better car, a bigger business. None of those things are the source, real source of life. This word is the source of real life. Matthew 4, 4 says it this way. It says, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. But what do we live by? Every Word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It goes on in Proverbs. I'll read another one. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. says, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear, your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Interesting phrase here. Keep them within your heart. What did Mary do with the word? She kept the words in her heart. Why? Verse 22. For they are life to those that find them. And I, and I found, I remember, I, I was reminded of this and I almost left it out. What else is it? And it's healing to all their flesh. There's something about this word that will change even your physical body. Something happens when you feed on the word of God. Something happens to your spirit man, but something even happens to your physical man. It changes the environment where it's celebrated. Doesn't matter if it's reading the Bible, reading a podcast, or listening to a podcast, listening to a preacher, whatever. Any way that you're feeding on this, it's bringing life to you. I think the last thing, and I've kind of already alluded to this, but one thing I think that'll help us be even a better keeper of the word is understanding that this book is Jesus. His word is Jesus. This word is Jesus. John 1, 14 says this, and the word was made flesh. It dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten father, full of grace and truth. Can I just propose to you that as 
As goes your relationship with his word, so goes your relationship with Jesus. You want to grow your relationship with Jesus? You want to be a better follower of Jesus? That's what a disciple is, right? A fully devoted follower of Christ Jesus. Here's how you become a better follower of Jesus. Become a better follower of this word. Oh, preacher, you're, this is the law. This, we're, we're, we're under grace. It's not about rule. No, it, this is Jesus. His word is Jesus. I'll even go so far as to say this. Is it possible? Is it possible that, G, that God the Father already knew how Mary would take care of Jesus because she had already proven how she took care of his word? Is it possible that she had already passed the test? I, he didn't have to wonder how he would take, she would take care of Jesus. She was already taking care of Jesus. She was watching over his word. I think just as a, as a culture, I think sometimes just getting back to just, hey, can we just, can we just do this? That's following Jesus. It's following him. close with this. Matthew chapter 13 verse 44 says this, says the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When the man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had and bought that field. This is an example of what some would do. What some would do when they found something of great value. And I'm just going to challenge all of us, including myself. This, 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 this message challenged me when I reread it. I was like, guys, this challenged me. Can we get back to seeing the value of this? Can we get back to seeing the value of this? Can we get back to seeing the value of the ease at which we can hit a few buttons on a smartphone and all of a sudden we're hearing the Word of God? Can we get back to the place where we actually value it, where it doesn't get so easy that it loses its place of value? but we reverence it. When we read, we actually start reading it. (laughs) We start making a point to listen to it. If it really is life, if this really is life, then anywhere where I can get this, this is what my life should center around. It should center around this word. It should center around hearing the word. It should center around churches or whatever, where I can get more of this if this really is life. I don't want to over-dramatize it, but it's like I, I watched that video. I've watched that video so many times that it moves me every single time. Of those, of those women holding this like it was a, their firstborn child. I, I want this to be a value in our church. I think it already is. But can we all agree we could probably take it up a notch or two? I'll be the first to raise my hand and say, I think I could, I could take it up. I could take it up a notch or two. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed our podcast today. You can find out more about our ministry at RenewLifeChurch.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Also, our app is available for download so that you can stay up to date. Again, we are so glad you joined us. If you're in the Midland Odessa area, we invite you to come be our guest at one of our services. Have a great day, and we hope to see you soon.